Good evening and welcome to another championship edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Hey, evening, everyone. Hopefully everyone is doing uh, well. Um, We are being old and a little worn out from the holidays uh, tonight. So I am a little under the weather and we'll probably let Rob is going to have, we're going to have a great guest tonight. We'll let Rob kind of run that uh, tonight. But as always, we're brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg. Uh, go by the, the brew house there downtown and mention the Sports Blog Podcast and you get a free pint glass. So the guys from Pale Fire, very excited to have another few weeks of uh, lots of listeners for the football season. And hopefully you guys will go enjoy some great beers downtown. Um, and I know, um, yeah. I think Ben's even trying to put together a little Friday night um, pre-championship happy hour slash get together pep rally type thing nice. at Pale Fire. So I don't know how successful he is, but he said he's going to reach out to the guys today. That's awesome. To put together for folks in the bird. So be on the lookout for that. Yep. And a couple of notes before we get started. Um, these are kind of, I don't know, these are all over the place a little bit, but the NCAA is going to, they did announce this week that they're going to put some standing room only tickets uh, for sale on January 2nd. So that's next Tuesday. Um, I assume nine or 10 in the morning. I haven't really looked at the details, but you can definitely go to the NCAA's website and check that out. I know a lot of people have been trying by hook or by crook to get tickets to Frisco unsuccessfully. So there might be one last chance to get um, some tickets. I can tell you from being there last year, we didn't sit down the whole game last year. Doubt anybody's going to sit this year. The stadium for all of our complaining about it is not large enough that, I mean, there's nowhere in the stadium that's going to be a bad view. So if you get a chance to uh, look for some extra tickets, there's one more little batch that will go on sale next week. Um, one note from us, we're really excited that our JMU Sports Blog shirts showed up for most people this week. So I came home from D.C. today and found mine waiting. Uh, most people are really excited. I love mine. It's awesome. It, Bonfire did an incredible job. Uh, just so you know, if there is any trouble with the shirt, you can go to bonfire.com support and Bonfire will help you out with that. So... I know there's not like a return label or any explanation in the packaging, but if you go to bonfire.com support, if you have any trouble with your shirts, uh, Bonfire will hook you up and uh, fix any problem with your order. So thanks again to the guys at Bonfire and to our buddy Ryan for all the help along the way. So with that, we'd like to welcome our guest. Um, this gentleman has, uh, was probably one of the first people we started interacting with. I don't know when we joined Twitter and left just the blog space, but whenever it was, uh, we started uh, talking to this guy right away and realized that he knew an inordinately more about JMU football than we did. And, uh, and we've become, we're, we're really happy to say we've become legitimate friends uh, in, in all our lives uh, since then. And we'd like to welcome somebody you may have heard on other podcasts this year, but we consider him our number one staffer. Uh, our recruiting expert, Mike Evangelista. So welcome, Mike. What's going on, guys? I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good, good to have you. I mean, not, yeah. not to jump in, but um, for people who don't know, Michael's been doing our kind of recruiting roundups uh, the past couple of years, and it's something that we always look forward to um, oh, yeah. as, as readers. It's kind of fun to be on the other side of things. He does an, out, um, <laughs> he does an outstanding job, really knows his stuff. Uh, Todd and I kind of fake our way through most things. Uh, Jamie's sports related, just nothing but enthusiasm and kind of our love for the Dukes. Michael actually does his homework um, all year. I mean, we have recruiting talk with him, you know, via Twitter, text and everything going back in like July and August. And, and he's always kind of on top of things. Uh, we couldn't think of a better guest to kind of break down the recruiting class. And 
we're not going to go through it recruit by recruit. Um, you can go look up their profiles and if anybody can do that, we just kind of want to talk at a high level. So just once again, thanks a lot for coming on Michael and, and welcome. For sure. I mean, I'm excited to do this. I've been following you all since I was a sophomore in college when I was bored in class and needed something else to do. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's exciting to see us uh, doing this together. Um, something I've been looking forward to as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's just start off. Like I mentioned, I don't really feel the need to go through recruit by recruit, but can you just tell us, like, I know you track this very closely. Were there mm. any surprises that jumped out at you uh, with this early signing class? Surprises? I, I think definitely so. And I know a lot of people were excited about this, but but I was kind of thrown off a little bit in terms of how many offensive linemen we signed. Um, I think that's a good kind of piece to start with. And I know from Coach Houston, he it always starts up front for him. So I think that's a good place for us to start with three really good offensive linemen. Um, I'm sure you guys have know already know the Amelia Moran, the kid that got we signed has SEC offers, offers from the AAC as well. You've got Henry Schroeder from Richmond, um, which I'm always happy when we get a recruit from there. <laughs> He's got offers from all throughout the CAA as well as Mac and AAC offers. And then Nick Kidwell from Maryland, who's just – I would describe him as kind of a kid that North Dakota State would sign. I mean, he's 6'5", 305. He's a all-state wrestler, big track and field kid as well, so he can move. Just an overall big kid. Um, so it's exciting we were able to get him. I think it is surprising just given, like, last year's recruiting class and the year before, we've been signing, like, three or four linemen each. Plus, we've got the SEC and the Big 12 transfer this year that are both redshirting, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting we were able to still land as many linemen as we did. Yeah, I think that speaks well, not only to like Houston's ability to, to go out and identify talent, recruit, and build depth, but to the type of kids they're bringing in who are willing to compete. You know, you come in as an offensive lineman at JMU, there's no guarantee you're ever going to see the field. No you way. really need to have mm-hmm. that kind of competitive aspect uh, to you and come out there and, and be willing to go to a place where you're going to be challenged. Um, particularly some of these kids, you know, like it, they're not taking the easy way going to JMU by any stretch. You could go probably walk right into playing time at, at some other um, – CAA or FCS school. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, as much as we want to sign, you know, five Liam Fernandes, you know, he's the <laughs> kid that's playing as a true freshman. I, I think that's more of an anomaly, if anything. But absolutely, I think these guys are coming here to to compete. And I know Coach John Williams will probably have them in the the strength room or the weight room, just crushing it from from, from day one. Yeah, and I mean, depth is important, as you mentioned, with, with like Farnadel, and I think we've seen a lot of guys play um, Bethea, early in their careers. All those Bethea. guys, yeah. Yeah, even, you know, Jackson last year. So, mm-hmm. um, Other than that, like, kind of, I don't know about you, but I didn't know what to expect with this December uh, signing period. Uh, it was new. I didn't know if it was going to be a situation where it was only really advantageous for the big SEC, Big 12-type programs and how it would kind of trickle down to the FCS. Um, again, like, did you think this – did you expect them to have 12, 13 kids in a recruiting class, or did you think we were still going to see – most of it in the, in the second signing period. Honestly, I'm right there with you. I didn't really expect us to sign this many kids just because, you know, you've got the prospects out there still waiting for quote-unquote big-time offers. I mean, I'm sure that was on some of these guys' minds, but I, I'm excited we did it. I think the, who benefits greatly is, like you said, these huge P5, the Alabamas of the world schools that lock up kids right away. But then also organizations like a North Dakota State and a JMU, where we're probably targeting a lot of fringe, you know, G5, I would maybe even P5 players if you really think about it. So 
I think what we are avoiding with an early signing period is what happened. I think it was a 2010 where mm. UMass snatched three or four of our players last second. One of them being Stacy Bedell, um, yeah. literally like the night before the signing period. So I think we're minimizing uh, things like that happening. So I think it's good for us for sure. And, and I think it also reflects on the quality of prospects that we were able to land this time around. Now, do you think they're still going to sign anybody else in February? Maybe one or two kids or is waiting to see if, if we have guys transfer out of the program or do you have any insight into that? Well, I hope nobody transfers out. No, no, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think, I, I think we could use, I mean, we've, we've seen it this year. We, we need every body we, we can get <laughs> on mm-hmm. the field, right. With injuries, but I, I'm sure we probably sign three or four more. Um, I don't think, I think we've got a pretty big senior class graduating. So I imagine there's some space, but, you know, hopefully, I know last year we signed two or three really good, I believe, preferred walk-ons that could have played anywhere else in the CAA. So hopefully we get some of those guys that kind of go under the radar. Yeah, or even look, I mean, in addition to recruiting news, we've started to see some transfer news trickle mm-hmm. out. You know, and uh, Jamie picked up what another guy from, from UVA, interior lineman, mm-hmm. um, this week. And then the quarterback from Pittsburgh, who's actually, I believe, coming out on his non-scholarship. Yeah, Ben right Denucci, so, I believe is his name. Yeah, so it is interesting like to see people kind of gravitate towards the winning program. Um, you'd expect that. We always said, you know, players want to win and they care more mm-hmm. about that than P5, but Houston seems to be selling that well. Um, For sure. Now, now, I said I don't want to go through every single person, <laughs> but maybe like this Emilio Moran guy. He's one that jumps out at a lot of folks. You already mentioned him as the offensive lineman. What about um, Jamari Kearns? He's another guy that I've heard a lot of fans get excited about. Yep. I mean, Currents is a guy that uh, I personally was really excited to see us land. And I think Coach Trip Weaver has done a great job um, kind of just selling the vision of JMU just because he's the recruiting coordinator. So he's got his hand on all these players, but specifically him just because he's coaching the corners. I mean, I could see him really being kind of like a Jimmy Moreland 2.0. Uh, the guy's long, lanky, yeah. like great hips. I mean, he's from South Carolina. So, you know, the, the farther south we go, the faster they get. And, you know, and, yeah. and Jimmy's from Florida, not too far from South Carolina, I guess. But like, <laughs> if you watch him play, I mean, he, he go, he's been to these rivals camps against top competition and he looks the part like he's a long, fast, lanky player that fits kind of that man to man ideal we want. Um, same with Willie Drew from Virginia Beach, like UVA wanted him and ODU wanted him. And, and the fact we were able to land him was was pretty huge. So. He's another player that just kind of fits that Taylor Reynolds, Curtis Oliver, Rashad Robinson, man-to-man, I beat you, you beat me kind of mentality that I think um, Houston's definitely brought about. Yeah, that's good, too. I mean, the secondary has been so outstanding this year, but talk about some big shoes to fill. I mean, there's going to be some opportunity for guys to to get in and and Mm -hmm. pick up those spots in the next couple of years. Um, What about some of these other guys? Like, I know one thing, just a little, that I follow college recruiting (laughs) – a lot of guys seem to switch positions um, throughout. And we had a couple guys recruiting as athlete. That seemed to be more something that Mickey Matthews would do. He would just go get athletes no matter what and then find places to, to put them. Mm-hmm. Is that still the case, or do you think Houston is more recruiting guys for specific roles nowadays? I think it, I mean, I think it's still the case. I mean, if you look at who we have this year with Hayden Mann um, from North Carolina, he's a quarterback. He's going to be playing safety for us. If y'all remember like Jordan Brown's recruitment and to think our and to make sure make our expectations be that Hayden Man turns into this amazing all-American is <laughs> I, I think a little disrespectful of him, but 
they're very similar. You know, you're looking at two high school spread quarterbacks, six two, six four, big guys that translate well to playing defensive back. Um, so I think Hayden Man definitely fits the mold. If you look at what Mickey did, I think he was just trying to get the best athlete to come to JMU. And and we knew back then we had fantastic athletes, just maybe not the best of teams. Yes. With this class, it seems Mike, Mike Houston is trying to kind of, what's the word here, uh, balance some of that. Let's get the best athletes, but also get guys that fit the program and, and fit the mentality. Yeah, okay. That's what it seemed like. I mean, I just wasn't sure if that was correct. That was my guess. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it did seem like everybody, like, under Mickey, I feel like you'd you'd look up the roster and any given time there'd be five guys in the starting eleven on defense or offense who played quarterback in high school. Yeah, or it a just, wide receiver turned left tackle, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, just, just completely yeah. like he just got football players and kind of developed them. Um, it seems like that's not necessarily the case, but again, he is kind of recruiting that elite athlete on the FCS level. Um, what do we know about Devin Ravenel? I mean, obviously that's a name that jumps out given his brother's uh, success with the Dukes. Um, big shoes to fill and kind of a lot to live up to, but is he up to the part? Is he at all like his brother or just a completely different sort of player? I want to say they're very similar. I mean, they're both tall, uh, well, not too tall, but they're, they're, they're the lanky, skinny guys right now. I think Raven, Devin Ravenel has a lot of growing to do, but you know, last minute, another UVA could try to come in there and offer him as a defensive back. And from past interviews that I've heard with Brian McLaughlin and Hero Sports, he kind of has just started to hit his growth spurt. I heard he's like up to 6'3 now. So if you think about that, we're, we're getting a guy 6'3, maybe 170 soaking wet as a freshman. He could probably be, what, 195 once he starts actually contributing on the field. And he's, I think he's a little faster than Ravenel too. Yeah. To think and he was one of the early recruits. I mean, he was one of the early – he committed oh, yeah. like in the summer, didn't he? Wasn't he the first or second? Yeah, he was. I think he was like right after Rakeem Davis, who's Rashard's little brother. Um, I think he was right after him, if my memory serves me correct. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, it's nice to get that uh, that pipeline going. The brothers. And I think I think I saw Brandon tweeted a picture the other day about the fact that he's now the little brother. He's like, I'm older, but I'm littler. And he showed he showed um, Devin. It looked like he had him by a good inch or two. So. Yeah. Well, I think that's like the type of kids that FCS programs get is you know, the, the, the biggest difference isn't really that much. It's maybe an inch or two, maybe 10 to 15 pounds um, are, are the biggest difference between someone that goes to JMU and someone that ends up going to tech, Yeah, to be completely honest. Yeah, a lot of that. I mean, it's one-tenth of a second in your 40 and 15 pounds, and sometimes it can come down to that, that small of a margin. For sure. Um, Who's your, like, maybe one or two favorite players, um, or guys you're not favorite, but guys you're most excited about uh, for any, any reason in this class? So the one, my, my, my number one, I guess, is Mateo Jackson from, once again, Richmond, who we've had a lot of success recruiting in recently. The guy is just a stud. He's 6'2", 220, linebacker from Hermitage High School, which has just turned into a bit of a feeder school for JMU. We've got Rashad Robinson, John Kinney, a couple of other players in the past that have come from there. This is a player that Cincinnati wanted to play for them. Big, rangy guy. He, he fits certainly the mold. I think you take the speed and athleticism of like Dimitri Holloway with kind of the tenacity and hitting ability of like a Brandon Herford, and you get Mateo Jackson, which is, is huge for us. You know, would love to maybe see him on kickoff next year, but maybe they'll redshirt. Who knows? I think the second person I'm excited about would be Reggie Brown from Florida. 
we've been very blessed to land a lot of very good Florida players recently with Jimmy and Terrence Alls. And I'm hopeful, I'm crossing my fingers here, actually, that <laughs> Reggie Brown becomes that guy. Uh, you know, they call Virginia, they call Florida the speed state for a reason. So hopefully he comes in and provides a difference maker, whether he's it's in the slot or in the outside, you know, hopefully he becomes a, a, a good competitive advantage for us. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, particularly with receivers from Florida where they, where they play, you know, the passing leagues all summer. Sure. And everything. Yeah. I mean, with the quickness, it just seems like they come in not only with speed, but with greater technique and hands and, you know, you just get that many more reps uh, catching the ball in a place like Florida or California yeah. with all those passing leagues <laughs> in the summer. Well, the other thing that this has kind of become a running joke with me and Todd, but the fact that JMU this year has really developed like depth on special teams isn't something you see a lot, but they signed another kicker. Um, and again, this I, I read an interview with this kid, Camden Wise, he's a kicker. Yep. He knows he's coming in with two really good kickers ahead of him, and he doesn't seem kind of worried by that. In fact, he kind of welcomes it. Um, people tend to look down sometimes like, oh, just a kicker, but I love the competitiveness, particularly at a position – like place kicker, where you need to have that mentality where you can go out and, you know, just kind of brush it off like a jump shooter. Um, I, I didn't expect that. Do we know anything about this kid? For sure. I, I, I mean, I don't know much about him unless uh, other than the fact that he's from Blacksburg. So Virginia tech country. And I know Marshall wanted him ETSU, some other CA programs wanted him, but I think you're right. I mean, it's kind of coming in as the, he understands the culture of Jamie right? The mm-hmm. competition perspective. I think we are blessed to have potentially a kickoff guy. We've got a rugby punter. We've got a standard punter. We've got a place kicker. We've got a backup for a place kicker. <laughs> we, we have yeah. a pretty silly amount of depth and kind of tools to use on the special team side. And I'm excited to see what happens to him for sure. Yeah, no, no. Now I know we're obviously we want to focus on the positive. Everything's going right. No real complaints. Um, in Jamie football land, but was there anything that, that you were hoping to see that maybe we missed out on like a position of need or a particular player who was on the fence who, who was flipped to another school? I don't know about the, the flipping side too much, just because I think some recruits are starting to catch a little bit on, you know, how much should I post on social media? So I'm, I'm not as privy to that. <laughs> as, I'd love to, you know, I tried my best to keep up with it, but I would have liked us to sign a defensive lineman. Um, that's something, you know, this year we're graduating Ankra, Urquhart, and Robinson, three just phenomenal players on the defensive line. It would have been good to see some young talent come in, but I also understand why we didn't. I mean, we signed three or four defensive linemen last year that are redshirting. Uh, we just you know, unofficially received the transfer from the University of Virginia and Juwan Moy, who would on paper replace kind of what Simeon Robinson is doing. So mm-hmm. I was a little bit surprised there, but then again, you know, Houston knows what he's doing. We might get one coming in here in February, but other than that, obviously I trust everything he's done. The guy's 26 and one at JMU. There's not really much to complain about. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's really picking nits and we really start diving into this too much, but um, I don't know. I mean, this, this is exciting. Like, like we mentioned, like I really had no idea what to expect with this mm-hmm. early signing period of the FCS level particularly with, you know, JMU's success going deep in the playoffs, I didn't know if that would be a hindrance keeping the coaches away from recruiting or if it would help. To me, it certainly appears like it helped. Like, mm-hmm. like these guys, just the more opportunities they got to see JMU, to see the success, it really seems like more and more players in high school are just want to be a part of this JMU program. Um, and, again, that's just all the credit in the world to Houston. It's, 
he and the staff are doing an outstanding job, but we are getting to the point where maybe the, the program sells itself a little more than it did in the past. Exactly. Um, so it, it seems to be, you know, they've got great opportunities, but they're taking advantage of them. And the staff is just closing 13, 13 recruits at the FCS level is great. Um, particularly looking like what happened in Charlottesville, you know, they kind of had a rough early go of this, <laughs> this first run of the, yep. of the December signing period. For sure. And, and I, and I agree hundred percent with you. Um, I always thought JMU is pretty easy to recruit to from the FCS level. I mean, you look at a 25,000 seater stadium, beautiful campus, the support from the administration, the resources we were able to get. You know, Houston got was able to get an indoor facility written into his contract extension. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just huge. And in the early signing period, it really allows us to go after some of these high-quality players that, you know, maybe in January when, say, Tech or, dare I say, UVA or some other P5 school isn't able to land their number one guy, they'll come in and swoop in one of our kids. So something we're definitely taking advantage of i've heard from you know here speak here and there that it's been pretty stressful on the coaching staff just with kind of coordinating these official visits mm-hmm. so i'm sure next year we'll we'll kind of alter that around a little bit but on paper at least this year it looks like it was a great success oh yeah i mean it looks like they knocked it out of the park and probably you know easier from our perspective than theirs um as fans we want to know we want the deep playoff runs and there's for sure and- um, we're just we're very fortunate that this coaching mm-hmm. staff continues to be able to juggle all the balls in the air. I think uh, one thing to point out too, it, it's kind of interesting to see how, I, I guess, things come full circle for these players. Because you had mentioned the the Qu- Pittsburgh quarterback, who I remember from either two or three years ago, we offered him, and he was a CAA Ivy League type player. And then Pittsburgh comes in, offers him, and he commits, you know, right on the spot someone like Matt Terrell, who's coming in too, he was actually a JMU commit, I believe in 2014 or 15, UVA comes in, he jumps and goes to UVA, eventually transfers out. Now he's back at JMU. So it's kind of interesting to see that come full circle. And, you know, I know for Matt Terrell, he had some big 12 programs that wanted him like Kansas, for example. And uh, I believe Kansas state wanted him too. So well, Kansas is only technically big 12. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, people will remember Ish, Ish Hyman used to be a, a Kansas a Kansas guy. guy yeah. yeah. I think yeah. he learned very quickly that he was in a better spot at JMU. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mike, do you have, I have, I do have one question here. Do you have any sense sure. of how JMU stacked up with this early signing relative to maybe other CAA schools or other one double a schools. It's like, hard to say with one double a because North Dakota state, I think they signed like 21 players. Okay. Um, they had a, a huge signing class. I think within the CAA, no doubt that we had the most successful and kind of highest quality class just okay. looking across the board. Um, but then for example, Weber state who we just played mm-hmm. signed zero players. Wow. So, that was kind of crazy to think about with their success. I know they just lost their offensive coordinator to BYU, I think yesterday, or was it today? Something Mm. like that, but they signed zero guys and they had a pretty good run into the playoffs. Yeah. So I think when it all shakes out, Jamie will once again be on the top in terms of top recruiting class. Will it be the best ever as Mickey used to say? I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Um, But I, I think as, as we always should be, we'll be on the top for sure. We want to, yeah. We want to thank Mike. We're actually going to encourage Mike to stick around and do off-topic with us tonight, um, if he wants to throw a couple in. 
Uh, we also sure. just want to point out um, some scheduling notes. We may, we're working on something for tomorrow or Friday, but it's not a guarantee yet. So we will see if there's something extra uh, for you guys, or we may, if we can do it, if we can find a way to put it in next week, we will. Uh, I think we have talked about, we will probably find a way to record on Monday next week. Uh, but if not, it will be up on Tuesday night before everyone gets in their planes or wherever, whatever they're, however they're getting to Frisco or whatever watch party you're going to later in the week. Uh, there's only nine days to go, people, so <laughs> get, uh, we'll all be ready to root. So, Mike, thank you for that amazing insight into the recruiting. And for no off-topic off tonight, uh, I'll let Rob introduce it. All right. Um, we're just we're going to keep it relatively simple, but it, it casts a very wide net, and we can kind of say whatever we want. We're going to do things that are underrated. Um, we'll just do top three things. They can be anything, not necessarily sports or JMU, just – Things in general that are underrated or, or underappreciated. Um, don't, we don't need to do like a ranking, but just three in any particular <laughs> order. Right. And Todd, I, I will give you the honors. All right. Um, but what, my first one is a, uh, a solo cup of coffee on the weekend, on a weekend morning, is a very yes. underrated thing for me. So uh, On right. the front porch, if yes, possible. If possible, yes. With, with a good book. Front porch, yeah, whatever – quiet place you have um yes it's it's pretty rare right i mean once every couple months that anyone anyone gets a a true solo cup of coffee with like 45 minutes to sit around on the on a weekend it's the best but it is the best best. yeah the rare weekend where my kids actually sleep in a little bit yeah and i can get up like sometimes you know you wake up i'm old so you wake up (laughs) early you know no matter what you no matter what you're waking up like at the same time on the weekends at least Mm -hmm. i am right Mm -hmm. now and sometimes I'm like, oh, I should go back to bed. But then other times I'm like, or I can jump up and make a cup of coffee and, you know, read a book or do whatever I want for like 30 minutes before my house explodes again. So <laughs> yeah. That is a good one. Um, I'm going to go non-food related for my first one, which is unusual. I feel yes. like I always find a way to talk about food, and I'm sure I will later. Um, I'm going to go punting footballs. And this is so random. But like, I guess I, I want to hear more about this. I hadn't done that. Like, O'Kelly has become somewhat of a fan favorite this year, with good reason. It's very fun to watch in the rugby-style punt. Remember when you were, like, a little kid? You'd go after school and you'd play football. Like, at least I did. Get them to school, run out in the backyard, find your friends, play tackle football all night and whatever. And, you don't, you know, you'd, we never did place kicks. We'd always punt, whatever, or you'd pant, throw. Yeah. I was down Thanksgiving. Uh, we were down in Virginia Beach with my sister and her kids. And so I was out with my two boys and their cousin. And we were just punting and fielding footballs <laughs> and like fielding. And it was so much fun. Like, I, just, I forgot about it. just like wailing it, just booting it as hard as you can. And then we're doing rugby kicks. And it was such a dumb kind of childish thing. But you never do that. You never go out with your friends like our age. I'll go out and, you know, throw the football or have a catch or something. I never go out and just punt. But it was super fun. I had a blast. I was out there for like an hour, just kicking them as hard as I could, and seeing if the kids could catch it. And I don't know. It was I hadn't probably done it in 25 years, and very underrated. I didn't remember it being as fun as it was. Nice, um, Mike. Do you want to jump in here? I'm trying to think. It, it's kind of it's kind of hard. Uh, Rob, to echo your point a little bit, uh, my old office, uh, we used to have a dartboard in one of the rooms. And when we had a bad day, my coworkers and I used to just wail them at the dartboard. Yes. At the darts. <laughs> and we didn't even try to play. We were just like, 
it was completely for tension and just trying to release some stress. And we used to just throw them as hard as we could. Um, not the safest activity, a little bit different, but <laughs> no. that's the first thing I thought of when you mentioned punting in football. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Just get get that aggression out, and particularly with darts, like a charge you can, and you can still get it to stick in the board. And it's like, yeah, ah! <laughs> turns it around. That's funny. Exactly. Oh well, my next one was um, is is driving at night, or and it doesn't have to be at night, but just anywhere where you're. And I think there's a theme here, but it's it's mainly like when you're kind of cut off from other things. I know our car, yeah. our cars are more plugged in than they ever have been, but you're still kind of limited, right? I mean, you can accept a call, but if you're acting sensibly, you're not texting or on the internet all the time while you're driving. And um, if you're, I, I don't know, I mean, maybe it's just that there's nothing I can do about the world if I have like two hours to drive somewhere in that yeah. two hours. So I kind of like that. Yeah, I, I kind of like disconnecting everyone tomorrow. Like yeah. one of the things I like about traveling internationally is – I usually don't spring for like the international cell phone plan, right? Whatever, I'll have like Wi Fi, and I like just not being connected to my phone and just kind of like enjoying the moment. Um, mm-hmm. not feeling like you know, if if you go someplace you don't like, you don't immediately get on your phone, like, where's better? Just kind of letting it be. It's kind of much simpler in, uh, <laughs> in a similar vein, nice. But I- I'm gonna go kind of similar on this old school theme where I've recently <laughs> kind of fallen in love again with libraries. <laughs> we, I, I can walk to my public library. I, I've gotten – Todd, you're, you're a voracious reader. I am. I, yeah. I, I read enough. Or I don't read enough. I read some, but not as much as I'd like to. Um, as my kids have gotten older, they've gotten very into books, so I've got more into it. And we can walk down the library. It's right next to their school. Mm-hmm. That's the greatest. I mean, I, I know everything's like on demand nowadays, and we've got Spotify and blah, 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 blah. And, yeah. you know, it's awesome just going down. I just walk down, I ride my bike, and just go peruse it, and I come home with three or four books, and then you read and go back. And it's all free. Like, it's just, it's bizarre to me that, that this concept even exists anymore now that everything's on tablets. But I love it because I just go in there and I just find, I just kind of browse the shelf, pull things off. Some hits, some misses, but I don't know. It's just, it's, it's kind of fun just to go in there with no real, it's not like Amazon where you're, you know, you're a very specific niche and you know exactly what you want. Right. But just go hit or miss and sometimes get good books. Sometimes you get great books. and Sometimes you're back there two hours later saying you screwed up. But I have I to know. admit that I, I, um, I work on another university campus and have access to that university's version of Carrier Library. Um, mm-hmm. And I do free, uh, probably two, three times a month spend my lunch break going to the library, you know, and uh, – a lot of times not even like with a book I already have, but just because it's so quiet in there and nobody goes up in the stacks anymore. Like it's the quietest place in the world because everyone's downstairs on all the computers or on their laptops. So yeah, yeah. this was great. Just yeah. Disconnect, find a good book mm-hmm. and go for it. Yep. You guys are making me feel like I should be reading more. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, I go in ways. My kid, like my kid will do like a book a week and he reads like real oh, wow. books, you know, tears through harry potter and everything and last year he he tried to keep a scoreboard in our kitchen of how many books everybody in the family had read and it actually kind of motivated me i don't want to be the slacker in the family because my wife is forever reading as well so that's funny um, yeah and you todd you're you've always been a great reader so. yeah i mean i was an english major at jmu um much to the english department's chagrin so <laughs> yes um but but and then i guess i'll go to my last one right rob yeah yeah so my last one is um this is kind of funny because I, I was thinking about this in terms of arguing, but I, I don't know that it's arguing, but it's whether it's arguing or discussing um, something that you love with someone else who equally loves that thing. 
So obviously it's kind of funny because that's exactly what we're doing here. Right? Yeah. Um, I hadn't thought about that when I thought about it, right? I listened to a podcast on the way home today about Star Wars, you know, or something like that. And I was thinking like, oh, I love this. I just love listening to, you know, I wish I could have a conversation with this person and question them, you know? Yeah. And, and that's definitely, whether it's music or books or in our case, certainly JMU football um, or JMU sports, it, that's just the best thing in the world. So I, I know that's maybe the lawyer in me on the arguing part, but it, it is pretty great when you're not just discussing, but when someone, you respect their level of knowledge about a, some topic that you're, you think you're the only dork about and they disagree with you. I kind of love that. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, I mean, having like a respectful debate is such a rarity nowadays. <laughs> yes. Um, it really is something, it's fun. Like it, it really is cool when you can open yourself up to somebody else's opinion and really kind of not just get away from the group thing. Maybe we challenge so, or, or maybe sometimes you just come back stronger in your convictions. But um, I think kind of hold us up as a good example, like not to get into this, but Todd and I are very different politically, mm-hmm. but you're one of the only people I enjoy talking politics with. Right. Um, right. I, you know, Bernie too. He's yes. like guys who really have differing opinions, but I, I respect the fact that you've formed you know, your opinions came come from some real knowledge and a real right. point of view, mm-hmm. not just a desire to, you know, align yourself with this or that. Right. And, um, you know, you have changed my mind on things. So I was right. Sometimes you find more common ground. Sometimes we realize we're opposite on the spectrums, but maybe you both have the same goal. It's neat when you have somebody that you trust enough that you can actually disagree with. And, um, and they trust you enough where you can actually come back and it doesn't get into this like heated, uh, awful argument, but it's just kind of fun, constructive criticism is, is a poor word, but kind of creative conflict. Um, it's cool. Yes. That's, that's, and it's rare nowadays. It's so rare. I definitely, you and Rich and, and Drake to some extent have, have all pushed me to, yeah. the, you know, to reexamine my own thoughts about things and it's the best. So yeah, cool. yeah. that's a really good one. All right. I'm going to go much, much lighter here. Um, to me though, this is something that is just criminally, criminally underrated, <laughs> if, if not hated by the majority. And that's anchovies. Oh, <laughs> you are correct. I freaking love anchovies. They're so good. They're the so key good. to every Caesar salad is exactly. some good anchovies. Good anchovies. It's a key to like if you make – I make homemade marinara sauce <coughs> and I always crush up some anchovies when I'm like doing the garlic and the, and the carrots and everything. And it adds that little bit extra. Um, they're terrific on pizza. They're also great because <sighs> so many people will have them. You don't need to worry about pizza vultures. Like, you know, people just coming in and stealing it. You're like, oh, I got anchovies on it. And you can either find somebody who again, God has that common bond and they're like, I love anchovies. And then it's like an instant friendship <laughs> or others just leave you the hell alone and don't take your pizza. So it's kind of a win-win. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you guys are with me. I, I thought I'd get some heat for that. Yeah. <laughs> kind of on the same theme. I think Zach Price is going to love this comment. Um, I don't know if it's, if it's on the anchovy level, but I, I just love spam. Oh, no. <laughs> I could eat I, – so going back to the kind of things that underrated, when I go home, my parents know that I love spam and eggs for breakfast. Uh-huh. It, it's just it's just the thing. It's just our thing. We love it. Uh, we're a Filipino household, so we've got that with rice and everything. So <laughs> kind of to your level with anchovies, I just love like cutting up spam into like thin pieces, frying it up. So unhealthy. It's the most unhealthy thing in the world. I no, probably, I worked, some people are probably like gagging right now just hearing me say this. No, no I, I worked with a guy who who loved he's spam sandwiches. He's like he'd fry them up really really thin and just slice it. He swore by it. Um, sandwiches? Uh, I don't know if I could do sandwiches. Yeah, <laughs> this, this guy had some taste. But I had bugs the other night for Christmas. My mom got okay, my niece, you know, yeah, got, cho- oh, got oh. chocolate covered 
ants and grasshoppers and whatnot. And I don't know. It was just like a bag of mixed chocolate covered <laughs> bugs. And um, they had Uncle Rob eat them. So. Oh, wow. I feel <laughs> like we're turning bad. into that Travel Channel show where the guy eats like the craziest foods. That's, oh, that's just kind of where we're going right. down the road here. I can't do that. but no. And I'm not that into spam, but I'm not a spam hater either. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm not feeling well enough to keep going down this road here. <laughs> so, Todd's so. barely holding on. Right. Yeah. Right. With that, you know, we better we better wrap this up because Todd, um, as people might know, Todd does everything for this podcast. I do not stop. We get done. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go sit down and have a beer, and Todd will then get to work editing, and he's sick. So <laughs> we better better cut this short so he can get healthy for Frisco. There you go. Yeah, Todd, we're gonna need you. Oh, I'll be ready. Yeah, we got go. nine days to go. So. Um, with that, we want to thank Mike again. Uh, it's a pleasure to have our friend on who is incredibly knowledgeable about JMU. It's, this is certainly his expert topic, and we, he will be back again, I'm sure, in the spring when we get the full class and everything's sorted out a little better. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, this was a lot you, of fun. Mike. Thank you. No problem. And reminder, you know, once again, brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg. Um, go get yourself an errant IPA. I think there's a spruce tip seasonal ipa in there um as Ooh. well yeah nice. so go on down there and check it out uh in harrisonburg as always and hopefully um you either have tickets and are all set to go to frisco or you're getting ready to watch the game however however and wherever you're going to watch it so we will or, or you're coaching youth basketball like yours truly <laughs> yes, yes. That, that's a story for next week yes. go cry my beer now but regardless of whether we talk to you before next monday or tuesday or not uh we will have more of a true preview show the full frisco extravaganza show uh this time next week we may get it done i'm thinking during the semi the fbs semifinals or something on monday night so we'll see how both of our new year's plans go but thank you everybody We look forward to talking to you um, again next week as we all get ready for Frisco. Go Dukes. Go Dukes. Thanks, guys. See you.